Welcome to Goshen Books. Hi, I'm Leanne Grunberg Wakabayashi here in Jerusalem. Welcome everybody to uh, this Writers in Kyoto session. It's uh, very special because when I set up Writers in Kyoto, one thing I hoped for was to exchange information between members. And by exchanging information, a lot of that has to do with self-publishing, which has become almost the normal means of publishing now. Tradition, this traditional publishing, which is what everybody wants because publishers have the marketing power, but the self-publishing, which gives the author control over his or her own material. And even some established writers that I know have chosen to self-publish because they've already got a base of potential readers and they know that they've got sales guaranteed and they have greater control over the material. So uh, it's a very important subject. Liam's uh, got a lot to say on this subject. She's been a good member of Writers in Kyoto for the past year or two, and we're very grateful to her for volunteering, not only to do one session, but to do two, sub two sessions on this very important subject of promotion and marketing. Thank you very much, Leanne, in advance, and over Thank to you. Thank you. Thank you, John, for that warm welcome. Um, and I want to say that just as you were visualizing um, that this Writers in Kyoto group would be in a place where we could exchange um, experiences, know-how, and uh, what a very much uh, a sharing platform. As I was writing my book, Goshen Books, Up and Running, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so hard. I have to share this with other people <laughs> to make it, to kind of justify the learning curve that went <laughs> on. So that really helped move me through the difficulties. I've been a writer for 40 years. I've been uh, publishing my articles for uh, just as long. Uh, this is my sixth book, which I've actually produced. But I can say from my past experiences that I never knew how to market it, how to promote it. And the way I saw it was I was just so glad to get over the finish line that who cared what happened to the book? It was in my hands. I'd done it and I'm finished. So this was the mindset, and I knew I tried to get um, a traditional publisher interested in my book. I sent it to about 10, 12 agents. I got a, a few little bites, but nothing serious, no real offer. And I thought, okay, here we go again. I've got to take what I've learned and apply it. But this time, I'm not going to walk away from the book when it's in my hand. <laughs> I promised myself. And so I want to start by talking about the, the mindset that we must adopt as, uh, as independent publishers. When you call yourself a self-publisher, I don't say, want to say it's debasing, because of, of course we are self-publishing, but the, the emphasis is on self. And when you are an independent publisher, I feel it's more communal. It's more 
um, expansive. There's more opportunity for exchanges and sharing and learning. So this is what I prefer to call the publishing entity Goshen Books, which is very much about sharing our successes, supporting each other through a podcast, writing book reviews about other memoir writers whose books I've, I've loved and I've been inspired by. So this mindset from the beginning was about having fun with the process, but not treating it as a hobby. And this is, I want to say, a mindset that is difficult for most of us writers to adopt because we're so much into the words. We're so much into being introverted so we could get our stories down, leading quiet lives, leading peaceful lives. This is all kind of why we're writers because that suits us to be kind of calm and chilled and working at our own pace. The nice thing about uh, publishing independently is you make up your own deadlines. The thing is you all, the, the downside is you have to be accountable to them. Uh, the idea here that I want to emphasize is that we've got to stretch beyond this introverted self who was very comfortable writing the book. Not that it's comfortable writing a book. I'm not saying it is. I'm not belittling how difficult it is actually to show up and do it and get through the hard parts. But it's, it's very much um, an internal process. You're working with your, yourself. Your own, your own inner demons, your own challengers, your own creative brilliance as it shows up happily at times. This is very much the joy that you, you're showing up to do it. And as we switch into the publisher's mindset, we're switching into a more business-oriented mindset because there's real money involved here. With writing, there's, there's, there's the pen and the notepad and, and maintenance on our computers. That's basically it. But we're, when we're talking publishing, we have to make big, big decisions about whether we're going to publish the book with using a printer, whether we're going to publish on Amazon and create an ebook and then a book that is print on demand so that we order our own copies off of Amazon. We have to decide whether we're going to go with Ingram. Ingram Sparks is the world's largest distributor of independent books. And there's a big advantage that when, uh, when a bookstore wants to order your book, they're not gonna go through Amazon. They're not going to go through you. They want to go through Ingram Sparks. That's the, the golden standard. Now, the problem with Ingram Sparks and Amazon is they're kind of in competition. And this Amazon publishes its um, print on demand requests from Ingram. So they do have a relationship but you can't be on both their platforms at the same time. So I had to learn these things that, from the beginning. How do you navigate Ingram and, and how do you navigate Amazon? And there's something called 
worldwide distribution, which with just one click on Amazon, your book is available in all their markets in Australia, in Europe, in America. And it's wonderful that all the main um, warehouses around the world will print your book. But the result is you get a smaller margin. And that, and this is something that we have to keep in mind, a book that retails for $16.99, you're probably seeing $3 at most from each book. So, and if you were publishing with a traditional publisher, maybe you would be seeing $1 of it or $1.50. But don't think that you're gonna get $16.95 unless you're selling in your backyard and I tried that, it worked once, but it's hard to sustain that kind of um, motivation to, to hold up your book on street corners and say, yeah, I'm selling my book. There has to be other ways. And what I've experienced over these months, my book came out in June and it's now March, so nine, 10 months, is that it's, very much an up and down experience of, of, of getting spikes in sales and then things going flat, up and down. And I'd like to talk to you today about the, uh, the way my book has reached audiences, what was successful in reaching audiences and what was disappointing, or I could say, is requiring me to have patience and see this as a long-term project. There is on the podcast on podcasts, authors, marketing, author marketing experts. And I recently listened to uh, a woman called Penny talk about the business mindset that we have to adopt. And that business mindset requires that we think not in terms of just this year, but next year, and use having our books be an evergreen project that we return to, that we continue to develop, not to abandon it because sales drop off or we go on to the next project. We have to keep going with our books. I was inspired by that. I found that very helpful. Why? Why do is that especially helpful? Because a traditional publisher gives an author three months to succeed. Three months, those first three months, they'll push that book in and get the book into some into the spotlight. But if the book doesn't take off, then it's finished. Meaning that you as an author must do something with it. So that's basically the way of the world now in traditional publishing. And what we've got to keep in, in mind is whether we go with traditional publishing or we go with our own entities is uh, to look at the long-term expanse, the horizon of, of what we're doing. Just do it. Okay. It's my mantra. It was my mantra as a writer. And it's now my mantra as a publisher. It's scary to just do it. It's very scary to just get on the phone or just write an email to somebody who you want to review your book. 
one of the biggest organizations. I'm naming all the places where I didn't get responses from yet. So then the question is, do I just do it again? Just do it, just do it again. Do I keep at it? Or do I let it go and look for other opportunities? This is something that we all have to face that there are going to be rejections and disappointments in this process, but they don't reflect the quality of the book. If we believe in the book and the book is the best possible um, work that we could have produced and we're getting good feedback and good reviews overall, some people are not gonna like it, of course, that's fine. But if, if you're feeling good about your book and you're getting good supportive feedback, then don't worry. Keep going with uh, the just do it philosophy of reaching out to people who share your values, who are, share your interests, who share your lifestyle and your life goals. And those will be the people who will embrace the book with enthusiasm because they're vested in it. This is their life choice too, the things that you're writing about. And I'll give you an example. Everett is writing about shamanism, about spirit, the ancient spirituality in Japan. And so many, many um, Shin, Shinto organizations, cultural organizations, uh, uh, academic, Japan academics. There's, there's a lot of people who are vested in this topic and will benefit from knowing about his book. So he needs to see this as a kind of courtesy to reach out and let people know that his book exists. I know it's this kind of a switching of mindset instead of like, please beg me, please take my book. It's like, I want to offer you something that maybe will be helpful to you in the future. So that's really been helpful to me because I am, believe it or not, timid. And uh, I would rather not do these things. I really would not have to write these letters and make these phone calls. My first job in New York was working in public relations at the Museum of Broadcasting. And um, I was I was so nervous having to call the New York Times, the Daily News and the Washington, whatever, to, to promote our events that um, that I actually cut cut a piece of my finger off um, the skin of my finger out of nervousness one day while opening the mail. But that was a good lesson for me because it, it, it taught me, to, you know, it, not to take things so seriously that these are human beings these are people we we, should, we we're helping each other out it was a wake-up call for me from there i went with the same boss to columbia business school where i did another three and a half years of public relations in, in the field of business which i was totally not interested in and that's pretty hard to promote something that you're not interested in except thank god there was one professor who was the japan expert he was the expert on the Pacific Rim, on the Japan economic miracle. And it was through him that I ended up in Japan because I got so excited by the, the Japan economic miracle that I, that I was promoting to the press. I thought, I've got to visit this country. So it's amazing how 
promotion actually can excite people and change lives and move society forward. It's not self-serving. You know, we have to get out of that mindset that, oh, it's about me. No, it's not about you. It's about that you are a tool of service for society through, through all the effort that you are making to write your book and to get it out there. It's very, very helpful to have that I'm here to serve mindset. So having said that, what happens um, is that yes, I wrote some letters and lo and behold, I got positive responses. And thank you, wonderful Eric Margolis for writing the first story, which was um, published in Tokyo Weekender about the Wagamama Bride. And he being Jewish and being someone who lives in Japan, he was a perfect person to review a book about Jewish, a Jewish family life in Japan. Why would I deny him the chance to know about my book, right? He could choose not to review it, but, but it was my duty to let him know. Thank goodness he, he read it. And I think it, it, for him, as he, as he wrote in his, his beautiful review, it made him think deeply about the choices that we, we make when we marry out, when we marry into a different culture. So he summed it up, he summed it up beautifully. And so I'm grateful. I thought, yes, this is what my book is about. It's about, it's about reaching hearts and opening up new conversations around the topics in the book. I want to target my press to the kind of writers who are interested in certain conversations in the book. I'll give you an example. Chabad.org is the, the world's largest online platform that brings non-Hasids back into Judaism. This was very much my story about being in Tokyo and about stumbling upon a Hasidic sect in Tokyo and how they brought me back to Judaism in Japan. So Chabad, based in New York, was fascinated by this story. The subtext is she was the first. There's going to be a second and a third and a tenth and a hundredth because this is the this is the trend. And so they're not picking up only on this individual doing this activity. They're picking up on the trend, which in my case was embracing a more religious life, a Torah-led way of life. Then what happens is somebody asked me to do was to print excerpts from my book. So I had seven excerpts printed, and then we had to adapt a little bit to make them um, uh, fit their audience who wouldn't know what the context of, of, of a Japanese life was. So I did that. And then lo and behold, somebody contacts me out of the blue with another related magazine I'd never heard before called Lubavitch International Magazine, which I'll hold up here. And this is where it starts getting interesting. So she she says, calls, contacts me in early September. And she wanted six writers from around the world to write about their Shabbat experiences. Somebody had, I think, bagged out of this um, their commitment. So I had two days to write the story. <laughs> and you don't say no. 
if you know what I mean, you absolutely say yes, even if it seems impossible. This is where, to me, the magic of being a writer and being, um, being someone with my book out comes in. When somebody says to me, well, the obvious question is, how are the book sales going, right? That's the kind of thing. How are the book sales going? That's a materialistic question. And it would be nice to say, well, I sold 55 books this week or 55 books today, instead of saying I sold 55 books last year. But what they're not asking, what we must ask ourselves, which is what else spiritually is going on around the creation and publication and dissemination of my book. And this is the mind blowing story I'm gonna tell you now, because <laughs> it's recent, it's fresh. Okay, so there's six of us in this issue on, uh, on sh coming to Shabbos. One of the writers was this woman, um, Diane Abrams, whose, whose name did not ring a bell. And this was me coming out in Tokyo with my observance. This issue was published in America. I can't get a copy, but the editor's best friend, Diane, is coming to, coming to Jerusalem. And she leaves the copy off at the front desk of a hotel. And I think, thank you very much. That was very nice. She schlepped it all the way from, from New York. A couple of weeks ago, I started attending a new synagogue and I handed the Rebbitzin a copy of, of my book. And um, I, I tell her a little bit about my background and she goes, oh, you must meet my mother. Mom, and she calls over, this is the rabbits and the rabbi's wife of this synagogue, calls over her mom. And um, she's the mom says, I know you. I dropped off the magazine at the hotel for you. And um, we get talking and she, she, then she says, you must meet my husband. And so she calls Bob. <laughs> Bob and, and overcomes this old man. I mean, they're in their eighties, but very genki, very lively, bright people, so much energy. He used to be the district attorney, attorney general of New York state. My mouth kind of drops open. And I say, I have waited 40 years to thank you. And Bob looks at me and I said, you sent me a letter when I moved into my little apartment in Brooklyn Heights saying that I had been rent overcharged, but my rent was 490. You found out that I lived in a rent control building and my rent should have been 290. I said, I have no idea how you found this out. None of my friends ever got a letter like this. My, you know, you made it possible for me to go to Japan because I had money in my pocket. So I'm telling this to ex-district attorney Robert Abrams and he's, and he's very happy to hear this. And then he says to me, Leanne, I have a favor to ask you. <laughs> how do you put a value on this kind of exchange? Like, how can you even, you know, 
the, the press is nice, but these stories are even nicer. This is, these are diamonds, this story. And he says to me, I've just written a book, a memoir about my life. Would you review it for Amazon? And I th thought, of course, I'd be, I'd be delighted. I'd be delighted to do so. How do you put a value on these, these moments that happen as a result of all the effort that you put into the book? How do you put a how do you put a, a price tag on the connections that that couldn't possibly have have come any other way except through the train line of your own publishing efforts while writing the book you can't lots of thoughts go through your heads one of them being who's going to read it <laughs> one and they, the other is who do I know from the past who might be reading it? And who, you know, who possibly could pick up this book, who I haven't been in touch with in, 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 in since childhood, who might pick up the book. And so one of the reasons I did put my maiden name in my book, right, the Wagamama Bride, Leanne Grunberg, Wakabayashi, I thought, well, maybe somebody will find me from my past. A couple of weeks ago, I get an email from a uh, guy, classmates in elementary school found me on YouTube having talking about the Wagamama Bride. This is just so incredible that this, that, that to be in touch with my classmates of 50 years ago and to find out that one of them is actually making Aliyah, the moving to Israel um, in a few weeks. When you're, you're out there, people can reach back and contact you and um, help um, help you understand that the value of what you've written is moving, moving lives, changing lives, opening hearts. The, the vibration of your book is going to attract similar vibrations. It's, it's the law of the universe. And the vibration of your book, if it's high enough, is not going to attract low vibration publications. You've got to keep that in mind, because if you feel rejected that you're not in the New York Times or the Washington Post, just know that you may say, thank goodness I'm not. You have to understand that this actually might be a very good thing in the long, in the long run, that, that the vibration of your book is going to attract like vibrations. I think I'd like to open it up to questions that you may have about the anything about nuts and bolts of, of the, this process. Yes, I, have a, I have a question. Um, you mentioned you mentioned YouTube. Yes. Uh, promotion. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what you did? Yes, what's what's been happening is that when I've been giving talks, either live or on Zoom, either I'm pushing the recording button or somebody else is pushing the recording button. And then not all of them, but some of them are up on on YouTube or they've been turned into I've turned them into podcasts and this will hopefully be a podcast, too. So it's very important, everything that you do to, to push the record button. And then if need be, if it needs editing to hire somebody or to do it yourself, which I don't have the skills, but to, to make it sound as good as possible, 
and get it out there. Did you do a specific YouTube promotion for your book? Some authors do. Uh, they, they talk about the book and try to generate interest. What I, what I did was I, I hired a, a, a talented videographer here in Jerusalem. I wanted to create a photo album of all the main characters in my life story. And I'd like, well, I'll send you the pictures, upload them, and we're going to have lines from the book so that in eight minutes, you're meeting the whole cast of the main cast of characters and getting snippets from the main scenes. So that's what's um, that I chose to do. It's uh, it's good because it could be it's on Amazon.com under my author's profile. When you look at for the Wagamama Bride, it's on Goshen Books. Uh, when you look at the Wagamama Bride and you see what's uh, look to find out about the book, it pops right up. John, what I suggest is be creative. Whatever feels right in the way you want to promote your book, do something fresh and original that works that works for you. For me, the photo album idea was just felt felt right. Why? Because there are no photos in the books. And I knew that people would want the pictures. They would say, why are there no pictures in the book? Because they come out grainy and black and white. They can go to my website and then see all the pictures there. Right, thank you. Welcome. Any other questions? Um, may I ask a question, Leanne? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm wondering the role of word of mouth, because you seem to speak to groups. And what role does that speaking to groups play in, um, in publishing, in promoting your, your book? Word of, word of mouth is this really, it's, it's this millennial, it's, it's, it's a pre-millennial concept. You know, word of mouth is word of social networking word of blogging, word of, um, of posting regularly. I, I hate to say it, but that's what the new word of mouth is. However, it's a very good question because we, we should never forget that the old way works too. Yesterday, if I was over at someone's house for Shabbos lunch and someone walked in who had read my book and told me how she had told a friend and how the friend <laughs> was now reading it. So it does, and these are people who are not on the internet, believe me, or not regularly. So it was very good to hear that it is still working, that word of mouth does still work. I think we get too obsessed with the um, social media, with Facebook and LinkedIn and, and Twitter, and it, be, it be, can become mind numbing and soul crushing to spend too much time on those medium. So for me, writing articles, continuing to put my story out either in blog form or writing articles, writing on related Japan topics, keeps me excited and fresh and learning and not, not doing this whole promotional um, nonsense which is 
gets tired after tiring after a while. You've already talked about your book. You want to progress yourself as a person, not keep going back to the old story. Well, I was in Haifa a few days ago, so I wrote to my editor at the Jerusalem Post, and I haven't written for a long time there because everything's been closed and now the country's finally opening up and I finally walk into a museum. So I said, I'm going to Haifa. There's an Utagawa Hiroshige exhibition going on. I'd like to write about it. Is that okay? So she said, yes, go right ahead. She says, and we want to hear your story about how you connect to ukiyo-e prints. Well, golly gee, I've never thought about my connection with, with woodblock prints before. Yes, I lived in Japan for 30 years. And yes, I walked into many museums to, to just chill out in front of woodblock prints. But I thought, how interesting that the editor is asking me this, this question. So this is exciting. And you never say no, especially if it feels uncomfortable, because that's what it's all about, is, is taking on these challenges. That's my, my advice. Okay, thank you. There's this element of faith that has to run through the whole process. And that is you've done your best. You've put out the best possible product. You value what you do. You are ready to speak about it. You're ready to give your time. That's enough. That's enough. And then faith, having that faith will draw the right people toward you. This is a vibrational story as well as um, an economic story, a financial story. And we got to tune into yeah. that. It makes for an interesting life, I must, yeah. I must say. Yeah. And it puts you in touch with people that you would not have the opportunity to meet. And again, how do you put a value on, on these, these encounters, even if they're for uh, seconds, even if they're for minutes? Um, somebody's had this very wise bit of advice, which is, and, and this is somebody who's, who, was, who was roped into spending $30,000 of her own money by being published by one of these vanity presses. And they basically owned the, they owned the rights to her book. They sent her a few hundred copies of the books and they've done nothing to, to promote the book. So they offered her everything on a platter. It looked, it all looked great. Don't get roped into the, the trust the expert mentality of, oh, I've got to hire somebody because they are experienced because they know what they're doing. It's all there for us to learn in YouTube tutorials. It's all there to ask to, for us to learn by going to the Alliance of Independent Authors. It's a wonderful group. They are there to support you every step of the way to handhold, to show you where to go to get charge a reasonable amount instead of thousands of dollars use these networks support groups i was just interested in the idea of the the vibration of your book will attract the audience and uh, i like to think that that with my book which is not experienced exponential sales um but it when it does get to people's hands or people find it 
it it feels rewarding. <laughs> if nothing Just else, hold up your book and what's, what's oh, I don't have a book. It. It's oh, whisper of the land. This is a, just a, just a very short story, but in 2006, six, the book came out 2014 and 2016, I was in America for the last time. I was in my hometown in Virginia and I went to the local bookstore and I was leaving and I was probably not coming back for some years. I left five or six copies of my book at the store. This was 2016 and I never heard back from them and I was remiss in not following up. So about a week ago, I emailed them. The guy wrote back really quickly and said, well, it looks like we've sold five out of the six books that you've left here. This was over five, this was now 2022 and I left them there in, in 2016. So, but he paid me and he said, we'll pay you for, uh, for all six books. Till, you know, we'll pay you for email. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting. You see, so it it's, it's <laughs> this just do it mentality. If you're thinking about it and you're, th and you're thinking about it twice and the third time, just do it. It's so important because this is how you grow is to kind of do these uncomfortable things because there's nothing better than it being a success, having these moments of little moments of triumph, like, <laughs> like you um, are, are experiencing with, it's wonderful. Ed, what I would suggest is that you go back and say, I'm available to give a Zoom reading. Let yeah. me, you got the six people and then, and then that will even, it will, it will increase the possibility yeah. of more sales. And, and Leanne, you know, it gets back to what you were saying is like, we're not trying to sell ourselves, we're offering something. Mm -hmm. And so by offering a Zoom reading, this provides something for the bookstore to give to its readers, to its clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And they should. Mm -hmm. Effort, I want to take that a step further by saying, that often we think that if it worked once, we're done with the relationship. Like, but no, keep them in the loop. Let them know about your other successes. They want to hear the good news, and and they and and you want to be open to hearing their good news. You've established relations with these real life human beings who cared enough to read your book and sit with the book and think about it and, and upload a, a, a review. And, and so don't neglect them. They must, they must that's be really, uh, catered, that's, cared about. We had a lot of inspirational talk. I really like some of your uh, uh, enthusiasm with uh, just do it and vibrations of the book. I often yeah. think of books like Meishi that you hand out. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. You never know what connection you're going to make. It's going to appear just today. I got an um, email from uh, Japan Times book reviewer because he was read one of my books that I wrote about eight years ago or Wonderful. 10 years ago. I can't even remember. So you just you, you send them out to the universe and um, something comes back eventually. Is he um, going to review it or what, what did he call contact you it. about? I doubt it, but he just he contacted me. So that's that's enough. <laughs> that's enough yeah. to stroke my ego. But John, it's not just striking an ego. It's 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 an affirmed connection. Yes, it's and... making a connection and it, it's mm. it's 
a positive, it's affirmative. And it's one yeah. of, as, as I think Leanne said, small little moments of triumph. I think that's what Leanne mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. um, rather nice way of putting it. And this is a question about whether to uh, publish hard copies of your book. And I highly, highly recommend it. It's not that expensive to do. You do it in the country where you're in and you give them away. You, I, I, I give a lot of books away, but I'm selective in who I give them to. Yeah. You've got to mail these books. So <laughs> practically speaking, the soft cover really works handing them out to people in the right opportunities, giving them to potential reviewers um, is, is, a, is a, a joy. Keep a list of who I give it out to. <laughs> yeah. Then you could follow through and you could just kind of, and you've given them a gift. Why not check and see how the, how the gift is doing? So yes, the, keeping what you appreciate, appreciate. I appreciate giving the book to somebody, then I should appreciate it enough to write it down so I know who that person is. Laura, you had a question and then we're gonna- Yes, um, no, I wanted to um, raise this thought for the group to have everyone keep in mind what I'm taking away from this talk today. Um, you think that through self-publishing, you're creating opportunities. I really see that the opportunities continue to unfold for you as you go mm -hmm. through this process. And um, just as an example of the mindset, um, Edward said something about writing a letter and saying, well, there are my sister's house. I think the another option would be to send two more copies proactively uh, from your sister, have your sister send them or something, but it's an opportunity for more ripples. It's you're mm -hmm. creating a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So rather than just talk about it, when you take action, it produces, of course, you never know what those results will be, but you're creating an opportunity for new um, opportunities to arise. Yeah. So that's just the point. Um, thank you. In summary, thank that's you for great. today's talk. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank Appreciate you, it. everyone, for joining this. Right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks very much to you, Liam, for uh, sharing so generously all your experience and enthusiasm. Much appreciated. It. Do you want to say anything about I part just, two? Yeah, I'd say part two is, is really going to be about assembling the team to actually take the, the manuscript and get it into the book, the book form. It takes a village, as they say. And so I'm going to talk about the village people who um, came, who I gathered uh, to, to bring it to completion, because it, that was also a, a joy in, in working with these very talented people who had skills that I didn't have and, um, and taught me things along the way and made me accountable to completing the book. Once you get other people involved, you are accountable, but that's for next week. So I'll talk about it then. Okay, very good. Okay. Okay, let's, let's Great. meet again. Great, thank you. Thank you Thanks, much, Everett and Thank Ed you, Leanne. And Laura and Lisa thank and you. Tana.
Appreciate you being here. All the best. Bye.